Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. To find out if it's right for you. About two years ago, I was looking for a new apartment. I found one on Craigslist that was really inexpensive $1,000, cheap in the New York City area, two bedrooms, and close to my current job. It was a steal. I emailed the guy, and he emails me back with an apartment application. Loving the price and the apartment, I fill out the application. Part of the application had some specific details about me like phone numbers, work number, where I work, etc. I then get a response back from this person, and he says that I was accepted and to give him a call. The number was an international number. Good old Google tells me the number was in Nigeria. I was like, flux, I've been conned, 
Anyway, he says that I need to wire him $2,000, $1,000 deposit and $1,000 first month's rent, and he will FedEx me the keys to the apartment. He gives the Western Union information for me to use for the transfer. He sends another email with pictures of the apartment, which were awesome. Hardwood floors, new kitchen appliances, lots of windows. I was in love with this apartment. Lol. I was scared. This guy had my information. Thank goodness that no information like my SSN or driver's license number was needed in the application. For like four hours I was trying to figure out what to do. I finally emailed the guy back and told him that I found another apartment for $800 and I had accepted it. I added also that I really could not afford the $1,000 and the other apartment was more my budget. I added, thank you for your time and God bless for good measure. I never heard back from the guy and nothing in my credit report about anything suspicious has come about. I was selling a camper. Guy comes to look at it. He's interested. We negotiate and agree on a price. It was for more money than I paid for the camper three years before. I'm stoked. Find out he's from out of state. Doesn't have a local bank. Can't give me cash. Wants to write a personal check. I say okay, but I'll hold on to the title and camper until the funds clear into my account. He agrees. I deposit the check and wait. Three days later he texts me that the funds left his account and he wants to come get the camper. I call my bank. Nope. No money in my act yet. It can take more than a week, they say. I let him know. He flies off the handle and says I'm trying to cheat him. Guy doesn't understand the process of transferring money between banks with a personal check. He starts threatening me and insisting that he's going to come get the camper that day. I say no, he's not. Then my phone rings. This guy called the cops. I explain what's going on to the officer. He's cool about it. Says to wait a few more days. I do. The fun's clear. I call the buyer in the morning and tell him to meet me at my house. He literally shows up 30 seconds later. He was sitting in his truck a block down the street just out of sight watching my place. He hooks up to the camper and leaves in a huff. One week later I get a text from him apologizing for his behavior. I accepted the apology. I learned from this. Now it's cash only or we go to my bank and the buyer can get a cash advance with their debit card on the spot. My family and I needed a break, so we had to leave the city because it was very stressful. Both my husband and I had full-time jobs. He worked in an office and I worked at a nursery. Even though I loved working with children, it could be tough sometimes dealing with more than 30 noisy four-year-olds. It could be a nightmare instead of a dream. Last month, we were searching on Craigslist to find a vacation home. Please don't laugh, but sadly, we didn't have a big budget and couldn't afford an expensive luxury hotel trip. Looking back, using Craigslist wasn't the smartest choice. We probably should have used Airbnb, which is safer and has some rules for people who rent out their homes. But on Craigslist, there were many options. So I started looking at the holiday homes and rentals. We wanted to go far away from the city, preferably to the countryside near farms. The rent was quite reasonable because, well, what was there to see in the countryside? Mostly cows, grass, and trees. Not many people were interested in that. My kids were always on their smartphones, so that's another reason we chose rural areas. In the end, 
We booked a place a nice little cottage with a few extra buildings on the edge of a big farm. The man who was renting it said he owned the whole farm, and he wanted $100 a night for us to stay in the cottage. That seemed okay because we also got our own small garden with a fence and some other cool stuff. I contacted the owner and told him I wanted to give him some money as a security deposit. He agreed, and I did that in just a few seconds. Now let's skip the difficult part of getting my family ready. I only had two kids or three if you count my husband. Getting everyone ready was a big challenge, so I won't go into all the details of that. Just think about it. Five hours of arguments, kicking, screaming, and tantrums in the car on the way there. The trip itself took a couple of hours, which wasn't too bad. When we finally arrived, I was pleasantly surprised by how nice the whole place looked. Well, that was until I got to the main part of the farm. At first, the entrance of the estate had shiny new metal gates, and there were also a couple of statues on both sides like stone columns. But as we drove further in, things started to look worse. Some of the buildings were falling apart, covered in mold, and had missing bricks. Some of the windows were broken and old like they were from the 1940s. They were single glazed, which means they had only one layer of glass. Not a great start. But after following the instructions from the owner, we finally found the small bungalow or cottage we had paid to rent. We had paid for a whole week, which felt like too long to me, but we couldn't afford any longer. Plus, I didn't want to stay any longer, especially after seeing the place. So there we were, sitting in our truck in front of this. Well, it wasn't even a cottage. It looked like it had been built a very long time ago by hand with cobblestone-like bricks. The truck was running as I put it in neutral. My husband and I had been taking turns driving. It was around 3 p.m. by then, and we hadn't left until late, which caused all the tantrums and arguments. I wondered if this trip was really worth it as we sat there in front of the cottage. So I decided to check out the place. It was important to see if it was even suitable to stay in. It didn't look like a place where people could live comfortably. I know it was summer, but we didn't come here to camp, and having holes in the building wasn't acceptable to me. I wanted my money back, and I wanted it right away. My husband was trying to tell me that this was normal, but I wasn't convinced. So I stepped out of the car, still arguing, to check out the place. We told the kids to stay in the car, locked it, and then my husband and I went to see what it was like. We found the key where the owner had told us it would be under the floor mat. Opening the door was no problem. When we went inside, it wasn't as bad as I had expected. I went quiet, and my husband was trying to explain that it just looked bad from the outside. Well, as we moved from room to room, I started to think that maybe he was right. It was clean and tidy, a three-bedroom cottage with a bathroom that wasn't covered in mold, falling apart, or filled with sewage. The inside of the place actually looked pretty good, which was surprising given how it looked from the outside, so we decided to stay. I unlocked the truck and told the kids to come inside. We brought all our suitcases and bags in and got settled. By this time, it was around 4 p.m., and we started to relax. The furniture, appliances, and everything inside were old, but it wasn't terrible. The outside of the cottage was in bad shape, but they had made an effort to keep the inside nice. It seemed like they had put in new flooring and did some renovations. As the evening approached, we still had to prepare dinner. I had bought a lot of supplies, including dry pasta, rice, some sauces, and even some meats that were in our cooler in the back. 
On the first night, we were going to have spaghetti bolognese, and that's when everything went wrong. At that time, I was starting to feel comfortable and relaxed. I was in the kitchen, the kids were in their rooms playing on their iPads, and my husband was sitting and watching the small old TV. I was daydreaming for some reason, not sure why, while preparing the food in the kitchen. I looked out the window. I was actually starting to enjoy this calm feeling. Normally, all I saw was busy traffic on the street below, with the city constantly making noise and bright lights. I'll be honest, I got used to it, but that didn't mean it didn't drive me crazy. I just got used to it over time. As I was cooking, everything was going well. In fact, it didn't take me too long to make the bolognese, maybe about 15 to 20 minutes. I just had to cook the ground meat and boil the pasta. The sauce came in a jar ready to use. I poured the sauce in, mixed everything together, and heated it in a big frying pan that I had bought, by the way. Yeah, I was a bit picky. My youngest daughter liked to have her bolognese separate from her pasta, which was kind of strange. She preferred to have the spaghetti in one bowl without sauce and the bolognese meat and sauce in another bowl. After I cooked everything and prepared her separate bowls, I served the meal and called everyone to the kitchen table. The kitchen table was old and made of carved wood. It looked like someone had made it by hand, and it was probably the nicest thing in the house, although my husband would disagree, as he was still glued to the old small television. When we all gathered at the table and were ready for dinner, my little girl said something really strange. Just as she was about to eat her spaghetti, she picked up her fork and said, You mom, why is it green? I glanced over and didn't think much of it, but when I went closer, I noticed that it did have a slight greenish tint. The pasta had a greenish color, which I found a bit odd. I couldn't see it on our plates because it was already mixed with the red bolognese sauce and meat. I told her not to worry and made up a story about it being a different kind of pasta. I wasn't being honest, but I was just so tired from two hours of traveling and the stress of seeing the outside of this place. We all finished our meal, and not more than a couple of hours later, the trouble started. First, my husband had to run to the toilet and was throwing up a lot. Then, my daughter started having really bad diarrhea. Luckily, this cottage had two bathrooms. To make a long and gross story short, we later found out that the water we used to cook the pasta, which came from a well near the cottage on the farm, was contaminated. It hadn't been tested for safety, and it caused all our stomach problems. After that, we all got sick and had to stay in the cottage for four days. It was a tough time. When we finally got better, we went straight back home. But during our illness, we had to have doctors visit us. At one point, my two youngest kids were almost dehydrated because they were vomiting and having diarrhea so much. So, I wouldn't call it a vacation, and it was far from relaxing. The person who owned the farm and estate didn't respond to us after that. We didn't want to take any legal action because we just didn't want to deal with it, and my husband felt the same way. But there was definitely something wrong with the water. It had a greenish color, and the well was clearly contaminated with some kind of bacteria that didn't agree with our stomachs. Those four days were awful, really awful. We were so desperate that my husband ended up staying in one bathroom, and my two children stayed in the other. I stayed outside and used a big bowl I found in the kitchen. It was a large bowl they used for mixing flour and baking. Thankfully, I didn't have diarrhea, but I was very sick too. We all tried to sleep it off, but during those four days, there was constant vomiting and crying. It was terrible, 
and the worst was on the third day when we called 911 because of my youngest daughter. Every time she tried to drink something, she would just throw it back up. I was getting really scared, but I was so tired that making the call to 911 was hard for me. When the medical team arrived, they gave all of us shots in our behinds to stop the vomiting. It worked, and we all started feeling better. After getting the shots in the end, we all recovered fully and returned. So I regularly browse my Craigslist missed connections page at work because they're often really cute or really creepy, and either way it's entertaining. Basically, people post about other people they've passed on the street or briefly talked to, and they regret not getting their information so they try to connect over this forum. Normally it's like, we talked in the parking lot of Sprouts, I'd love to take you out. If it was you, tell me what I was wearing. However, I was on it today while at lunch, and I found a post that said paraphrased. I caressed you and touched your bare torso from behind. I told you I would get a tattoo to remember that moment, because that is when I fell for you. You clenched up when I told you that. I have feelings for you. I will hunt you forever. Wasn't about me, but gave me the creeps. Who describes courting someone as hunting? Anyway, I linked the post. If you guys haven't checked out your local Missed Connections page on Craigslist, I would highly recommend it for some creeps. Who knows? You might even be on it. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And tried to pay me $12 mail $20 to get in his car. This happened in the early to mid-1980s. I was about 12 and had a group of friends that I hung out with regularly. I lived in Kenner, Louisiana. Anyway, there was this fad back then to open these teen nightclubs. No alcohol, disco music, and the same vibe as the cocaine-induced frenzy of adult disco clubs. Anyway, one was opening up. My friends couldn't stop talking about it. I hate crowds, but I was a follower in my group, so I agreed to go with everybody. One of our parents dropped us off. We paid our $2 to get in. I can see that it's super crowded, shoulder to shoulder. 
I kind of just hung out around the front door debating whether or not I was going to stay. After 10 or 15 minutes pass, I get this feeling like someone's watching me. Just an eerie, creepy vibe. So I just start looking around. There's a lot of people, so it's like a blur. Then I notice this middle-aged guy, short brown hair, striped collared shirt. He's just starting at me like he knows me or something. Well, I knew I didn't know him, and that was my cue to leave. It was about a five-mile walk down a well-lit, semi-busy two-lane highway, then right, and another couple miles down a four-lane road into the subdivision. It's only about 8 p.m., and I don't have to be home till midnight, so I had time to walk it. So I take off walking. And I guess about halfway home, this car pulls up on a side road that I was crossing, and it's the same guy from the nightclub. My heart starts pounding out of my chest. He creeped me out around 200 people. I was really creeped out on an isolated side street by myself. He yells at me and asks if I want to ride. It's pretty far, but F that. Lol. I said no and kept walking. Then he yells at me, Ya wanna make an easy $20, and I'm dumb. I stop and ask, How? He says, Get in the car and I'll tell ya. Nope. I just bolted. I took off and I don't think I've ever ran that fast in my entire life. I ran the last three miles full speed without stopping and without looking back. I made it home, ran inside the house and straight to my room. I didn't even think to look back to see if he was following me, but if he came here at least my dad was in the living room. I never told anybody. I really think I was one dumb move away from being on a milk carton, or worse. Did I accidentally become a horror story? I bought a beat up old Broyhill Brasilia dresser from a lady in Hollywood. Paid in cash organized the whole thing via text. I could tell she was sad to see it go, but it needed a lot of work and I love that kind of furniture. A few weeks later I finished restoring it and it looked beautiful. I was super proud of it and sent her a photo of the completed work with another thank you for selling me the piece in the first place. I never heard back. Was that creepy of me? Whoops. A few years ago, I wanted to sell one of my Kawasaki motorbikes because I needed some extra money. The bike was still worth around three to four thousand dollars at that time, even though it had been used for a few years and had many miles on it. Luckily, there were lots of bike enthusiasts all over the state where I lived. First, I tried posting about the bike in some groups, but the offers I received were very low, and I didn't want to accept them. Then I had an idea to put an ad on Craigslist. Surprisingly, it turned out to be a success, and within just 10 minutes of posting the ad, multiple people replied, showing interest in buying the bike. Sadly, the pictures I took of the bike weren't great, as I used my phone, and some were taken in a funny way that made the ad look unprofessional. But I made sure to clean up the bike, and I want to remind everyone that I took good care of it, and it was in good condition. I knew the bike's true value, and I was confident that I could get the right price for it. Now the challenge was to sort through the potential buyers who wanted to see the bike and make an offer. It's always tough to figure out who is serious about buying and who just wants to get a really cheap deal to sell the bike for a higher price later. In this situation, I only replied to the messages from interested buyers, and it was overwhelming. My Craigslist had received hundreds of replies in just a day or two, and my phone kept buzzing constantly. 
It became too much to handle, and I thought about ending the ad, but I decided to keep going and started going through each message one by one. To make it easier, I used a copy and paste reply saying, Thank you for contacting me about the bike. I'm asking for this price, and are you willing to agree to this offer? Most people replied back, but the majority of them tried to negotiate for a lower price. Out of the 500 replies, about 10 to 20 seemed like serious buyers. People were interested in buying the bike at the full price, but they all had one thing in common. They wanted to see it first. It made sense because you wouldn't want to buy something without checking it out, especially if it's not from a trusted seller or dealer. There could be potential issues or something shady going on. So I started setting up meetings with interested buyers to see the bike. The first person, let's call him John, was in his early 50s and looked like a typical biker. Interestingly, he arrived on a Harley, which was quite different from my Kawasaki bike. At that time, most people riding Kawasaki bikes were young folks who enjoyed speed, while Harley riders tended to be older bikers. But this man John was different. He showed interest in the bike, even mentioning that he wanted to buy it for his younger son who was getting into biking. I thought it was a cool idea, but when it came down to the price, John wasn't willing to pay the full amount I asked for. I couldn't budge on the price because I had so many other potential buyers waiting to see the bike. I had set a plan with a specific amount, and I wanted to stick to it. Before putting up the ad, so John left without making a deal. The next potential buyer who came to see the bike was named Graham. He was in his early 20s and had just started getting into biking, or at least that's what he told me. Graham said he had been saving up money from his job to buy a bike, and the 400 cubic centimeters Kawasaki seemed perfect for him. It had enough power for his needs, but not too much that it would be overwhelming for a beginner like him. Graham claimed he had recently obtained his biking license and was really excited about buying this bike. I told him firmly that the price was not negotiable, it was fixed. However, I did allow him to come and take a look at the bike if he was genuinely interested. On Tuesday evening during springtime, around 5.36 p.m., Graham came to see the bike right after finishing his work shift. He parked his car in our driveway and got out. Graham was dressed in jeans and a polo shirt that seemed like a uniform from a retail job, probably for customer service. He greeted me with a handshake and introduced himself. We started chatting and made some small talk as people usually do in such situations. But while we were talking about bikes and how great it would be for Graham to start biking, he started inspecting the bike like a pro, even though he had admitted to never riding one before. The surprising thing was that he looked at everything, I mean absolutely everything. He opened the tank, checked the brakes, and even examined the disc brakes and pads closely. Then he went to the back and used the light to look inside the exhaust. It was quite awkward to continue our small talk while he was busy checking out the bike so thoroughly. Finally, after all that inspection, he made an offer that was more than $1,500 below the price I had asked for. Not only did this enrage me and make me annoyed, but it made me realize I had just wasted my time, and this man had ignored my request of no offers. I allowed him to come round and look at the whole bike and fiddle with it like he was some kind of an expert, and after all that, he comes up with the excuse that the brakes are worn. Now, number one, I knew for certain they weren't worn, as I had just had this bike fully serviced at the local bike dealer only a week before selling this. That was the reason why I had it serviced, so that I could sell it with peace of mind. 
and having that as evidence, I ran into the house and grabbed the service document with proof saying who serviced it, what they did, what they checked, and nowhere on that form did it say anything about brake pads or brake discs being worn. He seemed to think otherwise, and even though he admitted he was an absolute newbie when it came to biking, he thought that the brake discs were worn and that somehow they had been worn down very low. I knew deep down this is absolute nonsense, but that was his way of justifying such a low offer. I looked him straight in the eye and said, No low offers. There's nothing wrong with this bike, and if you're not willing to pay the full asking price, then leave immediately. Something switched in this man's eyes. He went from being the happy beginner biker checking over my bike to almost looking like a psychopath. Now his eyes began to dilate, and he stared at me with a frown that could kill a thousand children. I couldn't believe what was happening. Graham didn't say a word, just stared at me with a blank expression. It made me feel uneasy and unsure of what to do. I was alone, as my wife was inside watching TV. With a firm voice, I told him to leave, trying to sound confident even though I was uncertain about his intentions. I worried that he might act crazy or become aggressive. Thankfully, he turned around without saying anything, walked back to his car, and drove away. The whole encounter was incredibly awkward, and I couldn't understand why he behaved that way. It left me feeling quite uneasy and puzzled. The brakes were clearly not worn, as I'd had them checked by professionals. But this guy, Graham, seemed to make up some strange excuse to lower the price by a huge amount, which was not fair at all. The bike was priced reasonably, and I didn't want to be taken advantage of. So I had to start the process all over again and go through more potential buyers who wanted to see the bike. Many of them were still offering very low amounts. But then I came across another offer from a guy named Reese. He was willing to offer only $200 less than the asking price and still wanted to take a look at the bike. Reese told me that he wanted to show the bike to someone else in a different state. He asked me to meet him halfway, and since I had a truck and had transported the bike before, I agreed. We decided to meet at a Walmart parking lot about a hundred miles away. The drive was quite long, almost an hour. When I finally reached the Walmart parking lot, I couldn't believe what I saw. It wasn't Reese waiting for me. It was the same guy Graham whom I had met before. I was shocked and couldn't believe this was happening. When I saw that it was the same creepy guy Graham with his unsettling eyes, I felt a sense of danger. I decided not to stop the truck and continue driving around to assess the situation. He was waving me over, but I couldn't trust him, even though he claimed to be willing to pay the full price that day. I didn't take any chances because I didn't know what he was planning. There was something fishy about him wanting to meet me at that nearly empty Walmart parking lot late in the evening after he supposedly finished work. He had lied about living in another state and even used a different name to act like a different buyer. This whole situation seemed really suspicious, and I didn't want to put myself in a risky position. So I kept driving and didn't stop the truck. He tricked me into driving almost an hour across the state to meet him, pretending to be someone else, but I didn't fall for it. I knew something wasn't right, so I didn't stop the truck when I saw him at the Walmart parking lot. Instead, I quickly turned around and drove back the way I came. I felt relieved that I didn't stop because it could have been dangerous. I wonder what he had in mind if I had gone out of the truck and met him again. He seemed really crazy, and I'm glad I trusted my instincts and got out of there.
It was a quiet evening in the small town of Riverton, and my friend Jake was on the lookout for a good deal on a computer. He had been searching online when he stumbled upon a seemingly incredible offer on Craigslist. The ad promised a high-performance computer at a fraction of the market price, and Jake couldn't resist the temptation. The seller, who went by the username Techwiz77, agreed to meet in a deserted parking lot on the outskirts of town. Eager to score a fantastic deal, Jake arrived at the meeting spot, a sense of excitement mixed with a hint of caution. The setting sun cast long shadows across the empty lot as he approached a figure standing next to a nondescript van. Techwiz77, a middle-aged man with a scruffy beard, greeted Jake with a nod. As they discussed the details of the transaction, a chill ran down Jake's spine. Something felt off, but he brushed it aside, attributing it to the eerie atmosphere of the deserted location. Moments later, just as the exchange was about to take place, a dark figure emerged from the shadows, demanding money. Panic set in as the situation escalated into a tense confrontation. The mysterious figure, face concealed by a hoodie, brandished a 45, demanding Jake hand over his wallet. Fear gripped Jake, and he hesitated for a moment, torn between complying and making a run for it. Before he could make a decision, a gunshot echoed through the air, and a searing pain erupted in Jake's stomach. He crumpled to the ground, clutching his wounded abdomen, the computer transaction now a distant memory. In the chaos that ensued, the assailant fled, leaving Jake writhing in pain. Fortunately, a passerby had witnessed the incident and called 911. Within minutes, the sound of sirens filled the air as an ambulance rushed Jake to the hospital. 